The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, um, perhaps before we take a break, um, it would be nice to hear some of the variety of things that might have come up in the meditation or the dis- reflections or the discussion. Just uh, partly so we c- the group can hear the variety of things that... Uh, because I imagine there's a big variety here among all of you. So anything you'd like to share or anything be useful to you'd like to say. And if you we use a mic here so that everyone can hear. So wait for the mic if you're ready. Hello? Can you hear me? Okay. Hello? Um, I had an interesting experience doing during our conversation where I first shared that I was feeling really bad about myself this morning because of the way I handled unskillfully a situation. And um, so... um, when we went around the second time and we had to think of examples in one's life of well-wishing towards oneself, I couldn't think of any examples. And I realized that because of my emotional state, um, I believed the way I'm feeling now was, is the way it's always been and always will be, that I feel bad about myself. But the assignment was to think of something. So I had to, you know, strain my mind. I realized my mind could dissociate from my feeling. So I had to think of something. And I remembered a time when I felt good about myself, which was yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) So I described um, what happened yesterday And I noticed in my body that my emotional state was changing as I was telling my friends uh, about my experience yesterday. And by the time I had finished, I no longer was feeling bad about myself. But what interested me was I wouldn't have gone there if it hadn't been an assignment that I was required to. (laughs) Well, if that's what it takes, then I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do you the favor of, re- of requiring it every day. <laughs> and if it helps, if you get a grade, I'll, <laughs> I'll grade it as well. <laughs> Thank you. I'd just like to say thank you because I find that it's much easier to do this kind of practice when somebody facilitates it. So thanks a lot, and uh, I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I've been holding a kind of a real critical attitude toward a person I live with, and I found it just totally softened me. And uh, I felt guilty and remorseful about it, and so it felt like a total almost cleansing mm-hmm. and a relief. So. Thank you very much. So, so, so which part of the meditation or the reflection afterwards? Well, the, the meditation itself did, uh-huh. and then sharing it, it sort of came up again, and mm. more 
you know, tears of remorse, really, and uh, it looked kind of a, a very therapeutic for me Beautiful. that way. Thank Thanks. you. Behind you there on your le- right? Where? Behind on the right. I found that um, it was easy to generate the feelings of well-wishing, the attitude of well-wishing, but it was not to receive them. It was like a stone or a lump. So you can have well-wishing for others and, or for yourself as well? I could generate it towards myself but not receive it. From, 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 from yourself or yeah. from others? From yourself. Yeah, I can generate it. Interesting. And not receive it. And then um, in the second part of the sharing... My partner was, or one of the two partners here, was talking about his grandmother, and his face changed, and it was almost the shape of the face changed, and his color changed. It was like watching somebody receive it, and it was instructive. I I can't put it in words because I didn't get any of the words, but I got to see Mm. what it was like for somebody to receive that in the process of what we were doing. Beautiful. So you're not so familiar with what it's like to receive, but seeing it in someone else, something resonated inside of you. Yeah, from decades ago. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. There were some hands over here before they... No? I think we Um, A great example for me is one that I learned when I'm in the hospital um, with patients and families and when someone's ill and they're taking in, you know, the love of their family and then the family's saying, oh, and Betty was thinking about you and Cousin John and we have all these prayer chains going across the country and these people... you can just see, you talked about that energy, and you can see that energy that someone can take in that's very ill, and how that light, that can lighten their time there. And to me, I look at that, it's helping the physical body, you know, letting the muscles go and letting things be. So it's a, for me, I'm getting a beautiful example from being allowed to share in, in their moment of, of them telling me, you know, all these people and mm-hmm. watching someone hear it. And take it in. Thank you. Anything else? I wasn't privy to any of the conversations, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> so, Bruni, there in the back corner. I I found it fascinating, actually. Um, the second question. Um, when um, we were talking about the reference, if, reference, and I was surprised by the question. I noticed sensations in my body of, um, like, surprise. Um, and then I was curious. I started thinking, and I, I didn't, no one came you know, I went through my family, and, and I'm like, no, no, no. And then I, I went into political movements. And it, I, I realized that that's where the concept of self-care 
came up for me and that I became aware of it uh, with the women's movement. And, and, and so it was, it was great to notice that. And, and then I came into the present and I then noticed actions of people um, like resting or, or words from them saying, take, you know, I'm going to take care of myself by resting or doing something fun. And, and then when we went into our group, um, I noticed how listening to, um, to my partners, um, I, I also noticed things that for me I have not noticed that could be well-wishing, like going back to the breath which for me is a, is a refuge, um, or um, how I think about it. So it, it, it was really interesting mm. for me. So perhaps there, you, there's been well-wishing or self-caring uh, that you've done for yourself, but you haven't th- thought of it that way. Correct. So it's yeah. good to see it. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so, okay, one more, and then we'll take the break. So straight back to the mic there. I was just going to say that um, your point early on that um, having the wish for greater um, well-being towards oneself, I think that's really significant. I mean, for all of us here who are finding it difficult to uh, give well wishes to ourselves, at least we're here that we have the wish that we would like to be able to do that. And many people don't really seem to have the wish to be happy. Mm. Um, I think that's really significant. We're all here. Yeah, yeah it's could be quite significant uh, to appreciate that the wish to wish. And, um, yeah, the wish to wish. It, it's, it, 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 it counts. You know, I, I wish I could overcome the resistance I have. I wish that there's a way. And, um, and uh, I first, first heard this idea and find the valuable around forgiveness. That maybe it's hard to forgive but to have the wish to forgive is pretty significant. Just the wish for it. It begins to be some kind of opening. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> we'll take a 20-minute break. We'll start in here at 11.20. And uh, you're welcome to talk to each other, continue the conversations. Or- Okay. So I'd like to um, to say a couple of words now, a few words, and then do a little guided reflection. Um, I find it uh, useful or nice to call these Brahma Viharas, these four divine or sublime abodes as four forms of love. And in some ways they don't call it love in classic Buddhist languages because, or maybe they do, but you know it's kind of hard to know how words translate from one language to another. But at least in English, um, you know, the word love has so many meanings, such a wide range. And sometimes it just means that you like something. I love Chinese food, you know. It means you prefer it, you like it. 
and um, and sometimes people use that word very easily, <clears throat> but also it refers sometimes to some, some of the deepest and some of the beautiful qualities of heart and feeling of connectedness that uh, people can have with each other, and it's quite profound, quite meaningful, and not to be loved is you know is especially as a child growing up, is a great suffering, great difficulty developmentally. And, uh, and because these Brahma-viharas are such a deep movement of the heart um, and have to do with our relationship to other people so much, that um, I like to use the word love as a reference point to point to the depth of what's possible, what they're about. But it does beg the question, I think, of what do you mean by love? And how do we clarify what we mean in this context so it's not simply you know that you love Chinese food that it means you know and how do we distinguish what we mean in the Brahma Viharas from all the different associations and meanings that people use for love there's romantic love there's all kinds of things and people come with have a lot of associations with love sometimes love uh, is a way of saying that um you have a really strong desire for someone. You want something. You want that person. And sometimes love is confused with lust, even, or that love is used in that context. And and sometimes for love comes together when people love each other. Comes together with a lot of other agendas, needs, desires, wishes, and it's not you know it's a complicated bag of phenomena. Sometimes it comes with a sense of exchange. You know, I'll love you if you love me, or sense of need, or. Uh, sense of what we get from the relationship for ourselves is very important. And sometimes people love someone, and a big part of the love might be the sense of security they get being in that relationship, because security is such a hugely important issue in their life that it's so meaningful, so nurturing, so valuable, that it moves us or relaxes us or does something very nourishing. And so the love has a lot to do with the fact that the relationship provides security or, or the relationship provides something else. And uh, so the idea of the Brahma-viharas is that there's some way in which the love is selfless, some way in which the movement of the love, of loving-kindness, of compassion, of appreciative joy, of, of equanimity, is um, there's, there's nothing in the, that feeling of well-wishing, of compassion, where we're expecting or wanting something in return. So it's kind of, in a sense, it's kind of freely given. It's, um, uh, you're, not, you're not asking for something or demanding something or not using it as a way of building up the self or getting something for the self or, <coughs> or wanting something from yourself, um, expecting something. Um, in a sense, it's kind of freely given without any expectations. Some people, will call, some people sometimes call it unconditional love. Uh, because of that quality, there's no conditions associated with it. Sometimes love is conditional. I'll love you if, you know, something happens. So that's kind of the, very generally kind of, um, so also the four, four forms of love then would have no clinging as part of it. Nothing that we're grasping on to, we're holding on to tight. And many times when people love each other, uh, you don't have to uh, scratch very far under the surface to find that there's some clinging that's connected to it. Maybe it's not inherent in the love, but you know, some are very closely connected to it. And with the, the idea with the Brahma-viharas is to discover a capacity for love that has no clinging as part of it. 
So no, no need for something in return uh, from the person that you express this to. So that's the background for it. So now we'll do the kind of little guided reflection for about, I don't know, just a few minutes here. So if you can take a kind of meditative posture, comfortable posture. And Gently close your eyes and spend a couple of minutes, two or three minutes, perhaps breathing in and out, being attentive to your breath, relaxing your body. And perhaps as you exhale, letting go of any of the thoughts or concerns you have in favor of having a mind which is more open and ready available, not preoccupied by anything.
So now, see if you can think back into your life, in your memory banks, for a time when you felt love or warm wishing or goodwill for someone and it was unconditioned or it had no expectation, no clinging, nothing required in return. Perhaps the other person didn't know that you felt this way or perhaps the person knew it and felt it. But for you, it was, in a sense, clean of any self-concern on your part. It was offered freely or generously on your part. A sense of maybe friendliness, goodwill, kindness, love, compassion. So see if you can look back in your life for the, perhaps the clearest memory of feeling this way. or the closest approximation that you can come to. And if such a memory recurs to you, then see if you can go into the memory a little bit to remember how you felt when you were feeling this way. Perhaps how you felt in your body or your heart or your mind. Was there anything that you appreciated or valued or that you appreciate now in feeling this way? What is it that you might learn from having some memory of or some experience of unconditional love, selfless love, goodwill but no expectations, open-handed? If you have a memory of this being this way, what might you learn from it? 
What might be the lessons, some of the lessons? And now bring to mind some person that you've known who was an example for you of being someone who could have unconditional love or selfless love. Maybe not all the time, but they were an example. Maybe once, once that they offered this, maybe to you or to someone else. If you can remember a time when you saw that or witnessed it in someone else. And what, if anything, did you appreciate about witnessing this person's goodwill or love or compassion? Some part of it, there's some aspect that you've tuned into or valued. Something that was meaningful for you or resonated with you. And in seeing this in someone else, an example of it, what might be the lessons for you in being observing it in other people?
And then the final piece of reflection starts with an obvious statement. That if you recognize someone else's unconditional love, <clears throat> something inside of you <clears throat> had, to <clears throat> had to recognize it. You had to have the ability to recognize it in someone else. <clears throat> Whatever That ability that you have to recognize in someone else is a beautiful thing. In and of itself, the recognition, <clears throat> sensing it, seeing it, being able to see it in others is a beautiful thing. And that beauty is inside of you as well. So then you can take a couple of deep breaths and when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So to explore, to understand these Brahma-viharas, it helps to begin separating out or, or distinguishing different ways in which people love each other or have goodwill or compassion towards each other. And to be able to recognize where the, when there's expectation, when there's agreements of some kind of exchange that are part of it, when there's expectation as part of it. And when those circumstances where it's appropriate and quite beautiful to have it be unconditioned or selfless in some way, where there's nothing required or expected from the other person back. Because the Brahma-viharas are more that quality. Because as soon as you have expectation, or as soon as clinging as part of it, or wanting an exchange, or want something you know, from that person in, re- in return, then I don't think the mind is at peace or at ease. And Brahmaviharas, all of them, somehow the mind is at peace while you're, while you're there. So I think it's an important exercise to tease apart. And I, the way, way I did this reflection was to suggest that you can see if you can, your own experience, your memories, if you've ever had an experience like this, anything as a reference point for this kind of love. Um, and if there hasn't been, I think that's very valuable to pay attention to too. I wouldn't feel bad about that. 
but I would take that as something to learn from and question and look at more deeply what's going on here and, and what's happening. So uh, what I'd like to suggest now is to do the same thing in group of three. I would suggest you, I would suggest you don't have to, but I would suggest a different group of three people. But it's up to you. And, um, and uh, this time, uh, maybe give three minutes to each person just let the kind of a monologue for three three minutes. One person just has a monologue. The other person's the other, the other two. Their their job is to witness the monologue, where the person who's speaking uh, reflects or talks about or uh, what came up in that meditation, what memories, what references point they have in themselves or in others for this kind of unconditional love, or if there's you know or some other important reflections or reactions that came out of this. This guided meditation, guided reflection, we did. So to share for three minutes, and then when you, after three minutes, then the other person does three minutes, and you go around that way. And and then it'll be a little bit more after the, everyone's had the chance. Then it can be more open discussion for another little while. And uh, is that clear? Does that make sense? And um, there's a, uh, since because there's so many people in here, you're welcome to spread out through the building a little bit. So it's not. Our, Everybody talking in here is a little bit loud. So, you know, so, you know, one tri- triad can go in the conference room. Some people can take... There's chairs, more chairs uh, in the cabinet. So would anybody like to offer a little bit reflections or comments or reports about that is your, your own discussion, your reflections, what came up for you from that? Can we have the mic back to the... There it is. Great. Yes, yes. Well, one thing that came up for me, and I think for my partners, was that um, a lot of the examples of unconditional love are, are really hidden to us. And it's just a, a, mem- a matter of remembering all those times that there are a lot of them. A lot, and, they're, and they're moments. It's, it's not a constant state. But that uh, it's remembering all those moments, little tiny fleeting moments, when we have felt that unconditional love for something or someone and have received it. So it could, it could it could also it kind of implies maybe it can often happen in the in the small activities of life. Very it, much it so. It doesn't have to be like your mother Teresa. It, it, Absolutely. It, it yes. Could, it could be opening a door for someone at the store, and just in that in that moment, there's unconditional goodwill to the person helping them out, and and you don't know anything about them, so it's uncomplicated. I I actually had that happen once, and. Um, I came upon an accident, and a motorcyclist had been hit by a car, and uh, the medics hadn't arrived yet, and I, I stopped, and I ran over to this person to try to give them comfort, and I, I was surprised that I just felt this rush of unconditional love for this person as I was trying to give them some, some comfort, and, I, and that just stayed with me for days. Beautiful.
uh, I um, had an experience in my life that for a few years, I, I was very idealistic, and I believed in love and loving other people. And um, I actually became totally burned out um, because I put in so much for other people. And people, you know, I, I think what happened is people do have a tendency to take you for granted. If they ask, you give. You ask, they ask, you give. And, and also, in that period, what I love is self-love. Mm. You know, it's all about other people. And um, so it's important to balance the love toward others and mm. the love toward ourselves. Well, here's, here's an interesting reflection. I, I'm not saying it's true, but it might be interesting to reflect that perhaps there cannot be unconditional love for others unless one loves oneself. And so... Unless one has appreciation for oneself, if the if the capacity to love or care for oneself is blocked, that then the love for others will be exhausting. Thank you for that. So here in the front, is that there's a second mic somewhere? Somewhere, okay. So we had a discussion about unconditional love and um, the skillful use of boundaries and how um, in some individuals that we've found very inspiring, um, they're able to offer incredible presence and an incredible ability to attune and to really show up for other people precisely because um, the self-love is really there and it's expressed in a way where there's not... um, constantly giving or constantly yielding in a sense of action or giving, 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 but um, truly being present for and resonating with a person in the moment. So as you just said, in the little tiny actions, it could be just a 30-second interaction that completely feeds another human Mm -hmm. being. Beautiful. Hello. Um, what you just said about uh, having unconditional love for yourself and being, you know, then it wouldn't exhaust you when you give it to others. My mother, who is the one that really, to me, unconditionally loved my brother, my sister, and me, but she, you know, in retrospect, she didn't really do that to herself. But all my sweetest, juiciest moments are her just shining it on me, and whenever I'm in a state of uncertainty, confusion, and delusion, I can go back and use that, that the way she just looked at me and smiled at me as a form of resource. So, to me, it's a kind of a conundrum. Uh, it, sh- it makes sense. You have to love yourself unconditionally, and then you can share it with the world, and you won't be exhausted. But my mother breaks that mold because she really, her nickname was Sweetie Girl. So she just was sweet to everyone. And uh, I was luckily able to uh, get some of those raindrops that have actually nourished me my entire life. Beautiful. The issue of, uh, you know, I said, you know, you. Maybe you can't love someone else unconditionally without some kind of unconditional love for yourself. It doesn't have to look like sweet, syrupy, self, oh, I'm so great, I'm so wonderful, and all that. 
it might actually kind of almost be the absence of any negative activity towards oneself. Or it might just be kind of a sweetness that's there that just radiates in all directions, including oneself. So we have to be careful that we don't now think we have to kind of crank up some kind of, you know, you know because, because the word self-love, oh no, I've got to do this thing now. And also, even with the, uh, one, of the, one of the qualities of unconditional love, I think, is that there's no requirements to do it. And so if you feel like there's a requirement, now I've got to do, I've got to be a good Buddhist and I've got to do this thing and, and I've got to kind of, you know, figure out somehow how to be more, just give and give and give because that's what you're supposed to do, then you're in trouble. And I think uh, my idea of unconditional love is that there's an ease to it. It's kind of, the, uh, unless it's a practice of, of, we'll talk about later, that uh, it's a kind of an expression, it's a byproduct of being at ease and open and being kind of kind. And it's, it's a byproduct rather than obligation. And so what conditions do we sit, set in place so that we are such a person that it's a byproduct, that's what comes out of us. And it sounds like your mother, it was a byproduct. And so it might be interesting to ask, look into and feel, what was it about how she was in the world? What was it about how she manifested herself that this was a byproduct as opposed to something intentional? My experience is that giving unconditional love has helped me to love myself. Um, I just feel like if I, if I can feel that towards strangers, um, then, you know, the question then was, well, why can't I feel that for myself? And the answer was, well, yes, I could. Why not? Um, so it opened up that possibility for me. Um, and the other thing I was thinking about being a mother is that um, that giving that love also you you really bring it brings you such happiness to bring happiness to other people. It's it's a mutual benefit, um, and it's not that you set out to do that. But you find that that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And I know um, when I have done things for people that I didn't have any expectation for any return, I, I, I'm always surprised that I do, you know? I do receive something back, whether it's their appreciation or just seeing their happiness or whatever. Um, and so, anyway... Yeah, so there are so there are there are, there are rewards and and it's okay. there are benefits we receive, but, but I was trying to be very careful before how I said it. Uh, unconditional love doesn't require anything from the person. It's not an exchange, but there still might be benefits that you receive from doing it, but it's not coming from necessarily from the person. So that's maybe to be explored that some more, and then the. Um, Great, thank you. This is more uh, along the lines of um, of there being moments of of this kind of love 
um, rather than a steady state. Um, I think Anna, Anna Loy was saying that too. Um, it, it seems kinder to ourselves to think of it that way sometimes rather than expect, rather than expecting it to to be a steady state. But the moments that that come to my mind, um, they're um, connected um, in every case that I can think of right now with with conditions of um, realizing that that I'm not going to have this person um, maybe uh, forever. In other words, that the person is going away on a plane. That was my son, my grandmother, when she was dying. Um, a few a few weeks before she was dying, we had this incredible exchange, uh, and and other other times when it seems like conditions allow for what is there. It feels like what's there all along to flower, to be known, um, and so even when even though it's not always manifesting. Uh, these moments assure us that that there's something that's there, there yeah. <laughs> that, that that can flower at these yeah. at these and then if we different can, moments. And then you know, as I said earlier, that it's easy to overlook some of these moments. But actually, one of the useful things about mindfulness practice is to t- be mindful enough so you can then appreciate, take in the appreciation of those moments of the, how those are, because the appreciation of a healthy movements of the heart strengthens them. If we dismiss them or say they don't count or just ignore them, then we, we don't strengthen them. We don't, nur- we don't nourish by them. We don't nourish them. So it's a very simple appreciation. It doesn't mean that we have to celebrate and hold on to it. It's just, oh, that's, that's good. That's, you know, I recognize it. Kind of be happy that it's there. And then uh, also I remember thinking about what Hillary said. Um, you know, I think most religions encourage people not to be selfish. That's kind of, you know, other people do. Probably your parents did too. This is common. Uh, Buddhism has this other thing about, you know, no self or not self is important teaching. But it also has, you know, it's also, it's a very nuanced teaching. But it also, Buddhism has a teaching that, um, that uh, we're all equal in a certain way. Equal in, equal in worth. Equal in value. Equally precious. And so, just as someone else is worthy of your respect, someone else is worthy of your kindness, of your love, you're equal to them, and you're equally worthy of receiving love from yourself. You're, in a sense, you're just another person. <laughs> you know, and, but we have often, many people have this conceit that there's somehow everyone else is what they are, but we're special, I'm special. And more often, that conceit that I'm special is a form, I'm the only one who is bad. I'm the only one that's unworthy. I'm the one who's, you know, somehow not quite right. From the Buddhist point of view, that's a conceit. And, uh, and, uh, and in a funny way, in Buddhism also, the, even the idea that you're equal to others is a kind of conceit. But, if, but the idea that we're equally worthy of kindness and love is kind of inherent in, in uh, kind of the Buddhist approach to how we live. And that, some, that idea sometimes helps people to be willing then to offer it to themselves.
Okay, so here, here, here. the mic here. Thank you. Is this is on? Yes. Okay. Um, I actually experienced, I believe, unconditional love in 1994 for a period of many months, and the thing that brought me to that was I happen I, I like Wayne Dyer and I, I read all his books and I was reading this one book and it, it talked about tell yourself who you are identify who you are or who you want to be okay? and so I identified myself with certain qualities there were five of them um, but they were the type of um, forgiving um, non-judgmental unconditional love compassion and service those were the five I identified for me and I started immediately behaving that way whether I believed it or not that's how I behaved and it's like a door opened up for me and I have many examples of where I felt unconditional love. I, I was even saying I was at a 4-H convention once, and there were people, I just felt the love of everybody in the room, although they were focused on 4-H. I was focused on how much I loved <laughs> and And seeing a, a group of teenagers who I, I don't always deal well with boy teenagers always. And, um, and how I just loved them as if they were my own ch- children. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I learned that, for me, giving was much deeper in feeling, in joy, than in receiving. Mm. As I grew up as a child, I wanted the most presents and so forth and so on. But here as an adult now, it, it changed and it wasn't, it's not the receiving for me. It's the giving. Beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that. And um, so then I'd like to end with this statement that builds on that. That um, in, if you look at uh, kind of the history or the biographies of people who are quite mature in their spiritual life, it doesn't seem like any of them need to be loved. But it's almost as if they have a need to love. And I believe that uh, if people kind of mature into adulthood and kind of or resolve some of their or heal some of their issues that they have to do, that at some point they'll realize that what they have a need to do is to love. But, the need, but there's not much need, need left to be loved. It can be nice to be loved, but that's not the, there's no, no, no need for that. But it's kind of like the need to love is beautiful. So the analogy is a little bit like uh, if you become a furnace, you don't need a little space heater near you. <laughs> you know, or if there's a space heater, you know, you know it doesn't really make, make much difference to you. So if your sense of love is strong enough, then, you know, it's nice that there's space heaters. It's nice that other people who love, but it's not as important as if you're, if you're 
you know, if you know, your space heater is not on, your, your, your furnace is not on. So, so may your furnace be on. So, um, so thank you. That's like a, a kind of a beginning introduction to this topic of Brahma Viharas. And uh, so we'll take an hour for lunch. Um, so we'll come back at 1.30. And those of you, sometimes people don't stay after, after lunch. They have other things to do. And so sometimes I'll have handouts, um, probably. I can't promise, but I do today. And uh, so if you want, you can pick them up at the end or pick them up now. And um, there's probably not enough for everyone, so I'll make some more. And um, it's a little essay I wrote about these Brahmaviharas, and then there's some, a few quotes from the Buddha about, or Buddha and, and then one of the ancient teachers of Buddhism about these. And then, um, uh, there's, if you're new here for these days, uh, just know that there's people who have done here, been here before, and what they'll know what to do is to set up tables. Some tables can go in here. You can put tables out in the parking lot if you want to be outside and get fresh air and take your chairs with you from them either here or from the cabinets in the outer hall.